to be back in the sanctuary together, but I don't think anybody's as glad as the choir with what they have provided for us since we've been back in. So thank you, Ira. Thank you, Rob. Thank you to all our amazing choirs. This morning, we are continuing in our sermon series titled Biblical Beach Bums. I hope all of our dad beach bums got their little gift this morning for Father's Day. Thank you to the worship committee for putting those out there to celebrate our, our dads and our favorite uh, beach bums in our life. But during this sermon series, we've looked at different biblical stories that take place at our favorite summertime vacation location at the beach. And today we are journeying with Paul to his unexpected vacation at the beach after being shipwrecked on an island. Returning to the book of Acts, and as you are aware, the book of Acts follows Paul on his journey. And as we come to the close of the book, we find Paul as a prisoner of the state. And he is on his way to Rome to speak with Caesar. But along that journey comes many tosses and turns, literally and figuratively, as the boat he is traveling on gets tossed and turned in the sea, and he, along with his other prisoners and the guards, find themselves grabbing on to wreckage and floating to the shore. And there we pick up in the book of Acts, chapter 28. After reaching land safely, we learned that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us extraordinary kindness. Because it was rainy and cold, they built a fire and welcomed all of us. Paul gathered a bunch of dry sticks and put them on the fire, but as he did, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, latched onto his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer. He was rescued from the sea, but the goddess Justice will not let him live. Paul shook the snake into the fire and suffered no harm. They expected him to swell up with fever or suddenly drop dead. After waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and began to claim that he was a god. Publius, the island's most prominent person, owned a large estate in that area, and he welcomed us warmly into his home as his guest for three days. Now, Publius's father was bedridden, sick with a fever and dysentery. Paul went to see him and prayed. He placed his hand on him and healed him. Once this happened, the rest of the sick on the island came to him and were healed. They honored us in many ways. And when we were ready to set sail again, they supplied us with what we needed. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, as I was reading these verses and following Paul's journey, when we got to this shipwreck on the island of Malta, 
I'll tell you the first thing that jumped out at me was how many assumptions all of our characters were making. And if you've learned like I have, assuming makes a hmm out of you and out of me. Never a good idea. Let's take the Maltese people, these islanders, in some translations referred to as barbarians, for they were not Jews, not Gentiles, but foreigners, speaking another language, worshiping other gods. They see Paul. They see Paul who is a prisoner, right? They have identified him as a prisoner on this ship who is now residing on their island. They see the viper, the snake, come out and take hold of him. And they assume, ho, 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 this is the God justice giving Paul what Paul deserves. He must have done something really bad to deserve this kind of punishment. They know nothing of Paul. Nothing of Paul's life, nothing of Paul's journey, but this one instance, they have labeled him murderer, sinner, deserving of death. Quite the assumption to make. But then suddenly, because it seems that this poisonous snake has done nothing to Paul, he gets away scot-free. Well, boom, assumption change. No longer is he a murderer. He must be a god. He has escaped death. He must be some sort of deity to be able to survive this experience. My goodness, what another grand assumption to make. Still, they know nothing of this man, of who he is, and yet now this change in experiences triggers a new assumption. Now we know, now we really know who this man is. Their assumptions are based solely on these individual experiences. These moments in time that seem to be plucked out of Paul's greater life. And they are meant to be an indicator. An indicator of his character. An indicator of his nature. An indicator of who he is and what he deserves in life. I'm afraid I can point out these assumptions so clearly because I have been guilty, too, of doing the same thing. Seeing bits and pieces of people's lives and making grand assumptions. But isn't it true that these little bits and pieces of our story only tell bits and pieces. For we all know that 
bad things don't just happen to bad people. And neither do good things just happen to good people. Right? That's not how God works in our world. God is not some kind of transactional God. For God gives and God receives. But it's not a one-for-one one exchange. And I'm so grateful in this story that Paul lives that truth out. You see, at first reading, I thought, oh, well, as soon as they call Paul a god, he's going to be quick to tell them, no, 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 I'm not a god, for there is one true god, right? But we don't get that in the story. Paul just seems to bypass all these assumptions and do what he knows to do. He heals. He shows love. He shows grace. He shows mercy. He knows that God does not extend love and grace just because we've done something to deserve it, but because that's who God is. And as God's people, we are to do the same, to heal, to care for, to love, to embrace, because that's the kind of people that God calls us to be. And so it got me asking a, a question of myself, and so I want to ask the question of you as well. What is our motivation as the people of God? What is our motivation? Are we motivated to, to share God's love and grace, to share the story of, of God, to, to share the gospel for us? Or maybe, maybe we have less selfish motivations than that, but we're motivated to, to share the gospel, to love and to heal and to serve so that Others will, will be converted. Or is our motivation simply we do this, we live this life because it's what Jesus would do. And we're not looking for anything in return. As we look at Paul's life, we know that he was on, on a conquest of sorts, right? He was an evangelist. He wanted to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. He wanted to, to conquer the world for Jesus. But he didn't do it with a, a sword in hand, saying, believe in Jesus or else. <laughs> His conquest was one that was marked by mercy 
and prayer and healing. A different kind of conquering. I think we, too, as those who seek to share the good news of Jesus Christ, just as Paul did, must engage in a similar kind of conquest. One in which we share God's love and God's grace and God's mercy, not so that we get something out of it, not so that it's some kind of transaction that we make with the world, but simply because it's what Jesus would do. I'm afraid there are too many ministries out there that say, yes, I, I, will, I will heal you, I will feed you, I will clothe you, I will house you if you come to my church first, <laughs> or if you say this prayer, or if you show us that you believe, then yes, we will help you. Not sure that's the clearest Example of the way Christ invites us to share his good news. In this story, in Paul's interaction with the Maltese people, he shows us that while we rejoice when others are brought to faith, our evangelistic role is not an exchanging of goods and services. We simply give what we have. We receive what others have to give. Not out of any sense of expectation or obligation, but because that's what Jesus would have us to do. It's a very similar story that, that we talked about a few weeks ago when, when I preached on, on Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Right? Philip was just walking along the road when he heard the Ethiopian eunuch reading scripture. And so he stopped him and said, hey, do you need help understanding what that means? And the eunuch said, yes, please, let's discuss scripture together. And then because of what he read, something was stirred within the Ethiopian eunuch to be baptized. Not because Philip said, okay, now that you know, now you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to do this. No, it was the Holy Spirit stirring within him. That's what we are looking for as we live our lives of faith. Not looking to get something out of it, whether for ourselves or for the salvation of others. Yes, that's a good and holy thing. But we're not looking for a tit for tat here in our faith and in our evangelism. I mean, it's interesting that in this story in Acts, we get them arriving in Malta and we get them leaving Malta and we hear how, how Paul has healed and, and shared with them. But we never get a clarification that, that the people did convert we don't know. Except we have the, the benefit of 2,000 years later. 
Every February on the island of Malta is a national holiday called the Feast of St. Paul Shipwrecks. It's a national holiday where they celebrate the arrival of Paul. They have this grand parade where people gather on their balconies and they throw confetti out into the streets as this statue of St. Paul is carried through the streets all the way to the church of St. Paul shipwreck where they celebrate and give thanks. So it seems that, that Paul's arrival while it may not appear to have had such an impact at that moment, now 2,000 years later is a great big party for an entire island. Paul wasn't looking for anything in return, just an extension of God's grace. Do we know the, the impact that that has on the world? When we say God's grace is for you, freely given. Freely given. I'm not looking for anything. God's not looking for anything. Just want to give. reading this past week in a weekly newsletter I get from Nadia Boltz-Weber. She's a Lutheran pastor out in Colorado. And uh, she founded the House for All Sinners and Saints, a church there. And she tells the story of one of her parishioners, Rachel. Rachel had come to House for All Sinners and Saints and having grown up in one denomination had never really experienced this free grace of God until coming to House for All Sinners and Saints. And there they, they celebrate Eucharist, they celebrate communion almost every Sunday. And Nadia, as the pastor, would always say, this is an open table. God's not looking for anything from you except to come and feast. As I said, Nadia had gotten a call from one of her parishioners, Rachel, who had gone home for a visit and had gone to the church where she grew up and had been told that she could not take communion there, for it was not an open table. And she had to call her pastor and explain the devastation that she had when it seemed like this free love and grace that she knew from God was now being denied. And as Nadia talked her through that, she said, do you mind if I, we're, we're having Bible study tonight, do you mind if I share your story with the folks that are at Bible study? And Rachel said, yeah, that's fine. And so that night Nadia shared with the small group that she was meeting with about what happened to Rachel, and one of the members of the small group said, when's Rachel coming home? 
said, well, I think her flight's tomorrow. Then we meet her at the airport with communion. And that's what they did. They gathered together, went to the airport, wrote Rachel's name on one side of a sign, and on the other side wrote, Child of God. Waited for her to arrive at baggage claim, to name her, and to serve her, and to remind her of God's free grace given for her. I know we all find ourselves seemingly shipwrecked at times. When events in our lives make us feel like we are in a strange and foreign place, surrounded by strange and foreign people. It feels like all may be lost. But in those moments, may we remember that God is there for us. God is ready to give. Whether we've arrived shipwrecked because of someone else's actions or shipwrecked because of our own, God's love and grace remains true for each and every one of us, no matter what. Will you pray with me? Holy Lord, our God, we give thanks for the ways that you are present in our lives. We give thanks for your free gift of love and grace poured out for us all. God, we pray that we might receive that grace and that we might go and be messengers of that grace in our world. telling your story, telling the good news of Jesus Christ, that all are welcome, that all may receive your love and your grace, your mercy and your healing, and that nothing is expected in return. May we freely give just as you have freely given to us. All this we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen.